0: This podcast is supported by Americans for Medical Progress and was founded and created through the Michael D. Hare Fellowship, awarded annually to support projects that inform and educate the public about the critical role of animal research in furthering medical progress. The fellowship honors the late Dr. Michael Hare, a renowned board-certified laboratory animal veterinarian who dedicated his career to scientific and medical advancements and who was deeply committed to animal welfare and advocacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the February edition of the Live Rat Chat Bite episodes that we do. Uh, first update of this month's episode. I'm just going to jump straight into it. We'll give you guys an outline of what we're going to talk about, or maybe we won't. But my big update for this month is that test I've been talking about for the last, I don't know, probably like the last three years, really, in and out, like off and on. But I did pass the test, which was like a huge relief and weight off my shoulders which was great. I truly and honestly thought I failed, which I talked about on the last episode. I mean, I I was debating whether or not I should just sign up for it again, you know, the $1,000 test or whether or not I should just start studying oh. again, which I'm like, I don't know how I could possibly study anymore. Would have been defeated. Uh, but, you know, luckily... Congratulations. Gasped, so thank you. And now I can just kind of relax and write out the... Re- Write out the rest of the semester. And not pay attention. Um, no, you just have joking. to pay
1: attention because you need to <laughs> <laughs> learn it all. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Just um,
1: Well, I'm glad you passed. Congratulations. And I did not know that it cost a thousand dollars. So now I'm really glad you passed because you know how cheap and frugal I am. That would kill me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's very expensive. I don't. They should just work it into our tuition so that we don't actually yeah. see the cost. Like, you know. Jeez. And so that's it's. It's just this stress. I mean, you can't practice without passing the test. And so it's just this huge stress. Since first year, I'm like, at the end of vet school, we're going to have to pass a cumulative vet school exam. And like, I mean, I don't really, I feel like I'm not really a person who gets stressed out or worries. I definitely do not lose sleep over no, anything yeah, that ever. Makes sense. Except for oh, this no. test. Like we were supposed to, we were supposed to get the result results mid January. Which is about the time we recorded our last episode, and we didn't have him yet. Um, and around that time, I think I was checking my email like seventy-five times an hour, just like, "Is did the emails yet? Did the emails yet?" And wake up and I check it before I went to bed. Oh. I check it, and so I was like, when, although like I know I'm not going to get the email at ten o'clock at night, but it's just
1: well, you maybe, maybe you're probably also more nervous because you put a lot on the line to go back to school because you have like a family and like need income to like feed children and things like that. So
0: yeah, kind you know, of important
1: those aspects, but you did it and that's the cool part. So congratulations.
0: Thanks. Yeah. So I think we recorded one episode the day before I took the test and then we recorded our, sl- our next episode the day before I yeah. found out the results. So who knows what we're going to find out tomorrow <laughs> or what's going <laughs> to happen tomorrow. It's always something exciting the day after we record. Excellent. So, but yeah, that's me. And I left my coffee upstairs, which is upsetting. Oh no. I don't know where. Well, I guess you'll just. And it's it's 11 30. I guess I don't really need coffee, but I'm at the point where I just drink co- <laughs> coffee whenever nice. it's around. So, and I didn't drink coffee until I had kids. You I still don't do not drink, drink, drink coffee, do you? You're some sort of weird robot uh, that doesn't need any sort no, of No, I think I'm just half asleep input. all the time.
1: <laughs> I just don't think I'm okay. functioning
0: properly. <laughs> well, you're half asleep is twice as much energy yeah. as most people. So yeah. You're fine.
1: I, I am pretty numb to not guess, sleeping, so I'm good at it now.
0: Yeah. Good. All right. Well, anyways.
1: And I have I have some uh, shout outs to do before we get into our episode because...
0: Is this based on our 100th post? Yes.
1: So last week was yeah. ALAS's um, National Tech Week, where we celebrate caretakers, vet techs, anyone uh, working in this industry who's caring for the animals. And so I put a post out on social media said, hey, you know, shout out the people who are working real hard in your facility and we'll give them a shout out on our next News bite. So here we go. Um, We have lots of shout outs at the Institute of Surgical Research for the vet techs there. We got Jessica, Amber, Tiffany, Cassie, Kara, and BJ. You guys are awesome. Doing a great, great job over there. Um, We're also shouting out all the vet techs and husbandry staff at Northwestern University. That came from Megan. She says you guys are some of the best people she's ever worked with. Uh, we're shouting out Nicole J. from Arizona State and Sol G. L. from University of Washington. And we have a fan on social media. I wish I knew her, her name, um, her username, Instafox. I'm going to shout you out. She has been a big supporter of us. And we see you when you like our posts. So keep up the good work. We appreciate it. She wants to shout out her coworker and partner in crime, Jessa. Apparently, you guys have an awesome work relationship. And you guys just sounds like you have a blast working together. So thank you to everyone who commented and thanks to all the technicians out there and thanks for listening also. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. That's me clapping Yay. in the background. So I, I held my applause to the, to the end, like they ask you to normally. Yeah. I I second all of the the thanks for the support and thanks to everyone out there that's you know behind the scenes working and doing their amazing work and supporting research. Every single day, and listening so, to us—that's that's the,
1: best, the most important part.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you read through those names professionally. Oh, that was good. You just rolled rolled nice. right through it. I would have been stumbling like you clearly were prepared. I would have like had had. I would have been logging into Instagram trying to find. I mean, the I comments. might have had to
1: like practice a few times. but That's too. what we do here.
0: Well, getting into today's episode, uh, we usually always have two episodes or two <laughs> two episodes, two articles, as you all know. Uh, I got one dealing with treating pneumonia in mice and then one with allowing people that have been paralyzed to walk again and not in humans this time. We talked about this in mice a few months ago or I don't know. It could have been last month. I don't know. Time escapes me nowadays, but recently we've talked about it.
1: I've got a story about frogs regrowing amputated limbs and a story about chimpanzees using insects to soothe and maybe treat wounds on each other and showing an empathy. So I
0: have lots of questions. Good. About Hopefully that. I have answers. Okay. All right. Which one do you want first? Mouse pneumonia or paralyzed man mouse walking?
1: Pneumonia.
0: Yeah. You threw me there. I thought for sure you were <laughs> going to say paralyzed which man walking. You have again. <laughs> no, I have them both memorized in my head. They're not up on anything. Right. Um, yeah, so the NIH, researchers at the NIH discovered therapy that targets the actual host cells when they have pneumonia to treat their pneumonia rather than using antibiotics to actually go after the bacteria themselves. And so this is pretty big news, I think, certainly because of all the antibiotic resistance that we have and that we are going to continue to experience. You know, there's really no going back once these bacteria become resistant to antibiotics. Um, so we need to find other methods to help treat people that have, you know, an antibiotic-resistant strain of pneumonia or, you know, some sort of staph infection or whatever it might be. And so what they did is they found these um, molecules, these compounds called EETs, like epoxy icosatrionic acids, oh, okay. I guess. I could have said it wrong. I just rolled through it so that it <laughs> sounded like I you know, knew what I'm talking about. Um, we're we're going to say EETs from here on out. And what these compounds do is they limit inflammation during infections. And they have found that wh- when they basically block another molecule that activates them, Um, those EETs skyrocket and then the macrophages and stuff that are in the body, which, you know, eat the bacteria and stuff. um, These EETs hamper the ability of macrophages to do their job to eliminate the bacteria. And so then the bacteria continue to reproduce and reproduce and reproduce. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to treat at that point because they're being overwhelmed in in the lungs here in this case. And so at the other end of the spectrum, when you block those EETs with the molecule that they created or that they found, and it's a synthetic molecule, um, it boosted the eating capacity, we'll say, of the macrophages. And so it reduced the number of bacteria in the lungs of these mice. And so that way, if they could just give this synthetic compound to people, potentially, if it translates like they think it will, then, you know, maybe the immune system can be kind of boosted in a way to actually eliminate these bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. So they have a lot of work to do still, and to see if whether or not you know these compounds, which seem to be safe, I don't think they reported really any adverse effects. It's kind of a natural type of compound and thing that they're doing to boost the the mice mice's mice. mouse's <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, immune system, and so. And limiting the use of antibiotics is always a, uh, it's always yeah. a big factor that we need to consider when it comes to treating and come up with new and alternative ways to treat outside of antibiotics. So, pretty cool. And we'll see if maybe they are able to develop that into you know a clinical trial, or maybe go into another animal model first, and then go into a clinical trial. But so far, they seem excited, and as you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm super excited about it. Your standard well. tone, yep, right for sure. Um,
1: Jeff, I screwed up and I forgot shout out. So I need to also shout out the Indiana university school of medicine and their care staff because they've done a great job keeping everything going over the last two years when we all know, good God, the pandemic has just been brutal. Um, so yay for them also. I didn't scroll down. I had this whole thing typed up. I didn't hit the scroll button. And while you were talking, I went, I forgot them. So shout out to them.
0: Yeah. Well, Thanks to them. And I rescind my statement towards you of yeah, growing right through it professionally it up. <laughs> and getting everybody. So way to screw everything up.
1: Um well I'll make up for it with are you done with your mouse story? Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it covers the, the gist, gist of it, yes. it. And feel free. We always have these uh, on our Instagram profile link. We always have these stories linked. So if anybody wants to just go there and check it yeah. out. Yeah.
1: So cool. I'll try to make up for my screw up on the shout outs and tell you guys a very interesting story about chimpanzees. Um, This is research out of the University of Osnabrück in Germany. At least one of the co-authors is from there. Um, So they studied chimpanzees from, I think said 2019 to 2021 over a 18, 15 month period. Um, But they saw that these chimps were actually treating each other's wounds and more specifically using an insect to treat the wounds now they couldn't get close enough. They have camera like video recording of this, but like there was an incident where a mom chimp caught a bug mid flight. Like it was flying through the air and she just caught it, put it in her mouth, seemingly to like crush it a little bit and then put it in her son's wound. Um, and other chimps were also observed sort of like soothing and comforting each other that had wounds. And it's, and so, back to the insect thing, they have other incidences recorded with the same uh, bug being crushed up and put into wounds. They have to figure out what kind of bug it was because again, they couldn't like
0: walk up to the chimp. wait. it's like it is a, they think it's the specific type of bug and they're just not grabbing any bug that flies yeah. by. Like they actually yeah. know like, hey, this bug yeah. is coming potentially has yes. properties to soothe or exactly or heal.
1: yeah they can, they think that the bug probably that. has like anti-inflammatory um substances that have like a comforting effect but uh they obviously can't walk up to the chimp and be like hey can you show me that bug real quick before you mash it into this injured chimp's wound so there's still more work to be done but i think this study kind of shows two sides of the story it's like we're doing research and understanding the empathy side of Other species, because that's important to know for if you do have to house them and do research with them. Um, But also, just a really weird aspect of caring for wounds, you know, and just they're learning and they're very smart creatures. So I, I don't know. I just liked the I would the implications. Yeah,
0: I would be. Yeah, I mean, animals are pretty incredible in the things that they are able to do and things that we would never think about. I mean, I could only envision. You sitting out like on your balcony with your kids, and they have like a wound, and a bug flies by, and you grab it and chew it up and and put it on <laughs> put it on their arm. Like it's not something we would ever even think about. I would love to know if this actually helps, like soothe the wounds, or like if we could actually do studies and figure out what insect it is and see if it actually has an effect in soothing or healing wounds. It'd be kind of crazy. Got to know what type of bug. I know. This is now. I know. Well,
1: maybe they'll. Post more about it. We'll see. I'm sure my Facebook will now get me all sorts of articles about monkeys and bug wound healing.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Any new lobster stories? No,
1: no. I've, it's been slow in the lobster front lately.
0: It died off. Yeah, the tardigrade front is also yeah. dying down. Or maybe I just don't pay attention to it yeah. as much. Well, interesting, yeah. fascinating stuff. You got no, any no, more on that, or should we move you're, on? You're up next. Alrighty. righty. Yeah, so this article starts out with saying three men with paralyzing spinal cord injuries can now stand, walk, and cycle after electrodes were implanted into their spinal cords, which is pretty fascinating. Um, and all of these people have been, these three individuals were have been paralyzed, I believe, for over a year. Um, and I think if they... Well, I'll get into that in a minute. So basically, they have... And we've talked we talked about mice before and a lot of the technology that has been developed here for these men has been we we've learned and understood the technology and have applied it through the use of various animals. I mean over the over you know years of, of research and and neuroscience and neurology studies, we've been able to understand the way, you know, electrical signals are sent from the brain to the spinal cord their target organ or muscle, whatever it might be. So now they're able to kind of use this implant and they take this implant and they put it beneath the vertebrae and they can control wirelessly with software. So they can basically carry around a little tablet, which can send electrical impulses through the implant to the spinal cord to where it needs to go. And then they can start walking. So they it's been a learning curve, it sounds like, for the individuals um, over a period of basically months to be able to walk like with a somewhat normal gait. Cause you can imagine like trying to like send impulses and then it's your legs are moving and you, but you still they don't really have feeling in their legs still. But as the time has gone on and they've continued to stimulate the, the spinal nerves, the muscles, and everything else, they're actually regaining feeling. And one of them says he can actually feel his feet touching the ground again. Yeah. And so that's, it's something that I think is still going to take a while and they want to, they only did it in three individuals here. They want to expand the study into a lot more people that, you know, are suffering from paralysis and they were completely paralyzed. His spinal cord was severed. And so the, it's, it yeah you know, I, I don't know where it was severed, but the, the signal couldn't get from the cord out to where it needed to, and so now with the implant, they can basically cross that bridge where it was severed, and then send send the signal down to where it needs to go, and then he can move that certain, yeah, you know, limb or whatever it might be. So, but they want to expand the study, get more individuals involved, and what they hope is that they can get more individuals involved with a recent injury, because we know the more chronic injuries go on, you know, the harder they can be to repair or heal, especially when it comes with spinal injuries. So if they can find people with recent injuries, they think maybe they can even have a better, you know, prognosis and ability to regain function and normal gates and normal activities and things like that as well. Because even though they are walking, I mean, they're still using walkers or, or like frames or things like that to help them walk, which I think is still, I mean, a yeah. huge step. And it's pretty awesome that they, can, that they can do all of this stuff. And then they have a tablet or a clicker. And so and not to make light of this whole thing, but I could only imagine, like, <laughs> if this were me and I was like sitting on the couch and my wife was like, can you go get me a drink from the fridge? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. And she's like, well, you're going to go. She <laughs> s- gets the oh. tablet. Like, there you go. You're going.
1: <laughs> oh, <my laughs> so God.
0: that's what, that's what I envision happening. <sighs> so, but I think, yeah, you say no. I say you're going. <laughs> Here you go.
1: But I think more importantly, cause I don't think you talked about this. Did the article. Go over what animal models were used, or just that it started in animal research, or?
0: Yeah, it just says that, you know, animal studies have hinted that the electrical stimulation itself can help spinal cords heal. And so they kind of used just, I think, tons of research that's out there on electrical stimulation and spinal cord and have developed this implant. And they use electrical, it's the article does talk about using electrical stimulation for spinal cord injuries to help minimize pain and aches and that sort of things as well and just muscle injuries. And so but they so they took that technology and it sounds like they kind of amped it up to a more intense, like electrical yeah. pulse that then gets to where it needs to go. So they're they're kind of taking other technology and research that's been out there and have applied it to this implant. So but no, they don't say the specific animal. I think it's probably Probably almost all of the typical lab animal species have probably been involved in mm-hmm. some case, or in, so, in some sort of some sort of spinal cord injury study in the laboratory environment. So, thank all of the animals cool. for that one.
1: I like it. Um, so, my last story is about uh, frogs regrowing amputated limbs after a new multi-drug treatment. So, people have heard of like. Like repti- certain reptiles regrow tails and things like that, but the Xenopus frog, frogs in general, don't regrow limbs on their own. So this is the first time this study's been done in a species that doesn't already have some of those properties, natural regrowth capabilities. Um, so it's a wear- a wearable device that delivers a novel multi drug treatment that these frogs wore for twenty four hours. Now they don't have pictures of the frogs wearing this device, but I feel like that would be very cute. Um but over an eighteen month period after this first twenty four hours of treatment, the frogs actually regrew a limb and were able to move around, use the limb with it says with natural ease. Um so this is a
0: how soon eight, after do they regrow? I mean you can't
1: Okay. I heard twenty
0: four no, hours. The treatment is twenty four hours. <laughs>
1: But the limb grows over the next 18 months. It doesn't say if they have to have more treatments. It just says the 24-hour treatment resulted in functional limbs 18 months later um, that enabled the frogs to move around with natural ease. So, I mean, this is very preliminary. They obviously need to try it with other mammals, um, but it could have implications for regrowing organs, regrowing limbs, could help um, diabetic patients that have had to have amputations, things like that, trauma, victims. So I I don't know, in what should we guess, fif- 15, 20 years, we'll have free growing limbs.
0: <laughs> Just put a device on and wear it. And, and
1: 18 months later, have a new... E-
0: each each day your your arm grows another yeah, millimeter. I don't
1: know, but it's really neat.
0: Does it look... Does it... No, do there's pictures? no pictures.
1: It's, I only have pictures of... of no, anything? I have pictures of the regrowth.
0: Um, so like a before and after, and what I just want to know what the limb looks like before, like afterwards, does it look? The like
1: pictures I have it did
0: before it was amputated. Yeah, the up? pictures I
1: have do not look like it's. It's just showing like pink growth. Like I don't see like toes like or anything. Like
0: functional. Well, they say it's functional. Yeah. I'll have
1: to dig for better pictures. We'll see what we can find to post because, it, because I don't have the pictures you're imagining right now. Um, I only have words and a few okay. small pictures. <laughs>
0: Like, did it grow an arm for its leg? Which, I mean, hey.
1: If it you know works, what? it works.
0: It's, it, it's a limb, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to dig so, more and see what else we can find.
0: Yeah. but That'd be cool. But yeah,
1: so hopefully in yeah. the future, we'll be quickly regrowing. Just growing yeah.
0: limbs. Could you I grow an extra just limb? Thinking if you, I thinking
1: that. That's like, wait a second.
0: You know, because so we all say, like, oh, man, I wish I had an extra, like a third arm yeah. for this. Could we? I only
1: have two hands. Yeah. Well, now in 18 months, <laughs> you can have four.
0: Yeah. Right. That'd be the late night end yeah. commercial. It will show people like fumbling around, <gasps> like with only two hands, dropping spaghetti in their drink. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, don't you wish you had a third hand so that you could wipe that up? You know how they always exaggerate <laughs> like the simplest task?
1: Yeah. <sighs> oh,
0: so oh, good. anyways,
1: I'm, Yep. That's cool. That's the good image story. I needed. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. It's always black and white. It's always a late night infomercial, and it shows black and white. Someone's trying to, you know, peel a potato with a regular <laughs> potato peeler, and they can't. They're
1: cutting their and hands, up, and they can't. The potato keeps
0: yeah, flying. And they're, right, they're using it upside down. Like their hand is the they're holding the part where the peeler actually is. <laughs> like, do you find yourself cutting your hand while you're peeling potatoes? If
1: you That's had what, a third hand, this. Morning. Be a
0: problem. That's right. Oh, that's
1: good.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, if they need marketing uh, ideas in the future, in fifteen years from now, someone hears this and we're regrowing arms, just reach out. We've to got, us. we've got well, marketing yeah. ideas. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for the stories that we <laughs> we have. Do not you have anything else? Did you miss? Did you miss no. anybody else that you realized? I think I got everyone. I actually did shadow. go back into
1: Instagram to make sure I got everyone, and I. I think
0: I did. And if I didn't shoot me a message, I'll shout you out next month. Yeah. We'll, we'll do shout outs yeah. every month. Yeah. Um, so yeah, feel free to always comment and email us libratchat at gmail.com. Follow us on social media. We're on all of... Well, I guess we're not on all of social media, but we're on the big ones. So go check us out. Follow us. You know, You can always reach out to us. I think that's one thing that's cool about our podcast is we We'll always interact with our listeners. So, I mean, really don't hesitate. We have lots of people that email us and we, I believe, have always emailed back. Maybe not within the first day, but we always get back within... I try to respond if I see it within 24 hours. But, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, but we will respond. So, reach out to us, like us, follow us, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you can subscribe to podcasts, rate and review us, and just keep on listening. And we appreciate everyone... So thank you for listening and we will talk to you all next month. See, everyone. See
1: ya. See